0: Hello, and welcome to Human Is My Label. This is your host, Emily Curry. I am a wife, a mother, a daughter, a sibling, and a former athlete. I work full-time. I am the founder of Rapid, a nonprofit organization, and I'm legally blind. I am so excited about opening the conversation about everything equity. We will primarily be talking about disability, as that is my lived experience, and it is often the minority left out of the equity conversation. I am passionate about equity for all identities, as I have family members from the communities of color, LGBTQIA, disabilities, and we span all ages. It is my goal to normalize these conversations, get people comfortable with the uncomfortable, and include everyone. After all, we are all human. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Human is My Label. This is your host, Emily Purry, and I have another amazing guest for us today. I am on the phone with Nick Manley here, and I'm going to let you, Nick, uh, go ahead and tell everyone about yourself. So thank you for joining me here today.
1: Wow. um, I'm honored and Very humbled to be here today, I really
0: am. Well, thank you. So uh, Nick and I actually were introduced um, in doing some research about RAPID. I was talking to some professors over in Colorado around the Paralympics, and uh, they introduced me to Nick, and so I was really excited to be able to talk to you. So Nick, why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about yourself and your story uh, before we get started here?
1: um, I'm 65 years old. I'm an ex-para-alpine racer, ex-para-alpine VI guide. Um, and I coach a uh, USSSA uh, level 200 coach now. Um, I work part-time at a ski shop so I can support my skiing.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I'm married, three great kids, five great grandkids. Wow. And um, not great-great, but... Yeah. wonderful grandkids I met,
0: <laughs> and um,
1: a lovely wife that has supported me throughout all of this.
0: Wow, and so um, tell the viewers your story, what happened, uh, and, and how do you identify as far as your disability?
1: I have visual impairments, uh, I have motor skill um, impairments, mostly with, um, to be specific, in the neuromuscular junction, I have antibodies such as um, I've been tested positive for like lupus antibodies in my system and then another one called Lambert Eaton antibody. Um, And it uh, creates havoc with the brain and the muscle um, junction, the neuromuscular junction. So uh, every day I never know what I'm going to wake up to visually. Some days I can't see very well. have to cancel all the plans um some days uh, i can't walk very well some days my hands don't work some days my feet are really numb to the point where um they're there but they're not (laughs) yeah and
0: so when did this all start
1: oh it started about 10 years ago
0: okay and they don't have any rhyme or reason as to why it all just suddenly started
1: it took six years to get diagnosed. Oof. Um, they told me it was, I was in my head, it was in my head. And because I skied that there was nothing wrong with me. And I said, yeah. well, that's why I, that's how I noticed something was wrong because I couldn't ski. Um, and um, I was laughed at by doctors. Oh
0: yeah.
1: I was told that I was faking it. I was told that I looked too good to be sick. I was told um, you name it by umpteen other umpteen doctors there are a few doctors that believe me um I went to the Stanford Neuroscience Center Mm -hmm. and they diagnosed me there with functional neurological disorder and I walked in and uh, it was just after a race at Winter Park and so she walked in she goes well you know, how are you feeling today? And I said, you know, told her how what was going on. And, and she said, um, Mr. Manley, I'm sorry to tell you, but you have functional neurological disorder. So, which is slash conversion disorder. Um, and conversion disorder is a Freudian type of medicine where Freudian psychology, where, you know, it's upon yourself and you caused this yourself and you caused your body to do this. so um at least I found out what I was diagnosed with at that time it didn't really change things I thought it would make things for the better so I could get treatment but I found out that treatment was hard to get so I decided to um take care of treatment myself and um, back when I was in my 20s as a ski bum I used to guide blind skiers through race gates up at winter park and some of my friends still worked up there and for the nscd and i called them up and i told them the story and they kind of couldn't believe it and i said well yeah i need to relearn how to ski so the first four days they wouldn't even put me on a chairlift you know it took quite a while to do that and then i got on a chairlift and um that was quite uh, an eventful day you know i (laughs) falling all over in the mono ski and this and that. So then they sit me down and there's seven people, NSCD kind of instructors. And um, they said, and what do you want What's
0: the NSCD for those who don't
1: know? That's the National Sports Center for the Disabled.
0: Okay.
1: And that was started by a friend of mine named Hal O'Leary back go. in the seventies. So I did that. and. Um, and they were, they sat me down and they had me invite in a bike ski, you know, and I'm looking at it and I'm going, man, this is like a wagon. This is like a kid's wagon. I'm not going <laughs> to
0: ski in
1: this. <laughs> my ego's, my ego's going, no way. And, and, and my ability is going, you know, it might not be good, bad, but I'm not that bad. <laughs> so, so they said, well, we're going to try to get you to stand up. So then I tried this thing called the ski mojo and it didn't work very well the first generation of that and, but anyway I stood up and skied that day and I felt like a newborn colt you know my knees and legs going all over the place but I managed to ski for three or four runs and then I started skiing a little bit more and more and more and and then I signed up for racing for NASTAR and I raced with AJ Kitt and met a couple other olympians and skied in that and then the next year i get a letter from mr eric peterson the coach and the director of the sports center for the disabled and and, and i look at and i show my family look i got invited to go racing and they're like no way, you're <laughs> not going to go race anywhere and i said well why not and my son goes dad you'll never get any sponsors so yeah
0: right come on it's like
1: oh don't do that to me <laughs> you know exactly where i'm gonna go <laughs> tell don't. me i
0: can't tell me again <laughs> i dare you <laughs>
1: yeah so the next day jock how are you oh blah 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 can i come up and see you and he owns a ski shop up in winter park so i go up and he goes why don't you come up and have lunch with me and scott russo from Dalbello bello boots and i said okay so I went up and I told him my story and told him what was going on and you know and I was undiagnosed at that time. Okay. And uh, so they're he's they go, okay, well Jock set him up for some boots. I said, yes, I got some boots. I said, Do you know anybody that might send me some skis? Because <laughs> all my skis were like eight years old, six years old, and they weren't race, they weren't race skis.
0: Okay. And I had
1: to have specific World Cup race skis okay and they're the same things that ligety and you know michaela schifronsky on are that oh, class wow. of a okay speed. yeah and it's um uh, so i write vocal and i send a letter and i think a couple pictures or something and i get a response back and like phone call back and chris adams goes what do you need and i said well i need this and this and so he goes okay i'll send you a pair of GS skis, slalom skis, and two pairs of bindings and poles. So they sent them out and I had my race skis and my um, ready to go. So wow. I started racing and you know I was 54, 55 at the time and I was trying to work, trying to race, training, you know, I was tra- still trying to see doctors to figure out what I had and I had acquired some amazing sponsors. Ferrari of Denver, you know, was a sponsor of mine, and you know they helped pay for all my um, first two or three years training and the fees like that by raising money and saying, "Here, rent a Ferrari for a weekend, and we'll give it." You know, this money is going to to Nick's account for racing, and
0: oh, that's
1: good. so, and then. Then I raced and guided and, and then you know, I, three years ago, uh, my body really disintegrated really fast and I couldn't do anything. So I stopped racing, but I still guided a little bit and, um, did some things with Ryan Wilson from the university of Illinois and, um, and you know from there just now I met today you know
0: so amazing so when i first um talked to you i didn't realize this is this was so so late in life um honestly and so what were you doing prior to you know 5455 and then having to make that shift hello everyone i'm so excited to introduce to all of you tim singh the sponsor of our Tim is with REMAX Equity Group, and man, he's different than all the thousands of agents you probably already know. When you're looking to buy or sell a home, and you want somebody who cares, you want somebody who's patient, you want somebody who gives great advice, and you want somebody who is going to get you what you need,
1: you need a call. To. I, I worked at a restaurant, you know, 45 okay. Fifty hours a week, you know, and and I was a maitre d there and a and a waiter and server and um, everyone thought I was the owner. It was called the Village Tavern and (laughs) it was it was it was was great. You know, I loved my job and I had a passion for that. And you know, when I got ill, it just took my life away. It took my restaurant life away. It took my family away for a while. And you know, and put me in an isolationism you know, similar to the COVID situation of the last year, you know, and uh, the isolationism put me in a black hole. And that's when I contacted the NSCD and said, hey, please, please, please help me. I, uh, my brain is, is not doing so well. And it's, it's, uh, it's, it's just not gonna be good if I can't get on skis. And so exactly. when I got on the skis, it was a different story, and there were days, Emily, where I even shouldn't shouldn't have been racing. The coaches asked me, "What am I doing here? You know, what do I want to accomplish? Are you are you sure you want to be here? You know." So even it was uh, ski racing kind of thickened my skin an awful <laughs> lot with with my disability, but it also. Gave my disability a lot more ability than most normal people have. Um,
0: well, and what I love about what you said is, you know, Rapid is focused on that transition point. And just for our listeners who haven't heard about Rapid, you know, that that time between diagnosis and home or hospital and home, if it's a new injury or that gap in transition that's where rapid comes in and says okay there's professionals who can help you you can come stay at the facility you can get that adrenaline rush that especially athletes get but it's not just for athletes it's also for those who you know were physically fit and worked out every day or were runners or you know whatever mm-hmm. but then also looking at the health outcomes and when you're a quote-unquote healthy, able-bodied person, and then you have something like this hit you, you know, the depression, like the isolation you, you talk about, the depression that comes with that, the motivation, the lack there of motivation, the identity, that, that missing identity of you being a skier. It's, it was gone for a minute there. You didn't know how to get up there. You didn't know how to get on the skis again. And you feel like you don't even know who you are. You're just a shell of the person you used to be. And it's not common, I don't think, for the Nick Manley's of the world to get out there again. Um, You know, it takes time and patience and that motivation to get back out there on the slopes like you did. You know, it takes time and that, that, that right mentality and the ability to get yourself into that next place. And so that's, the piece that Rapid is so passionate about changing, because that transition can really determine the outcome of somebody's life. It can be oh, life it, or death. Yeah. It can be, um, you know, getting back to whoever you once were and accepting yourself again as that person. And and I love how you said that skiing. If you wouldn't have got up back up on the slopes, do you feel like you would be around today, as far as either your health? or just mentally being able to handle that if you didn't make that choice?
1: No, I wouldn't be here today. And I say that every day. Yeah. Um, and I don't say that lightly. I really don't. Um, I, I really shouldn't be here today, Emily. Ugh. My best friends thought I was a uh, goner a few years ago. And um, if it wasn't for people like yourself, you know, and Dr. And Dr. Shapiro from DU. Yeah.
0: Um,
1: I would not be here at all.
0: Yeah.
1: They they gave me an opportunity and an avenue. So uh, I would really appreciate what I have. I, I accepted what I had, but I didn't accept it at the level um, of the knowledge that I acquired. After I got sick, hmm. um,
0: explain. And that I learned, here.
1: I well. One day, I, It was at U.S. Nationals and um, in Aspen, and we just did four downhill. I completed all the downhill races, and I did two super Gs and a super combined. It was a week of racing, <sighs> and I met Artur and Jamie there. Okay. And, you know, they, they asked me what I, you know, I, they said that they are professors at DU and I told them I had FND and they had never heard of it and they did research on it. And a couple of weeks later, um, Orter gives me a call and says, would you mind coming in and speaking to our class? And I said, no, not at all. You know, so I went and I did a presentation for an hour there, um, explaining what I had and what I, what. I had been going through at that particular time because I was not diagnosed.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: explaining my life, and it was a, it was a sports psych um, class okay. and psychology class. So these were people. There were about seventy-five to eighty-five people, I believe there, uh, with including all the professors. The room was packed, um, and I told my story at that point. You know how I couldn't walk. I couldn't. I could barely use my hands a lot of the times to even function as a human being and brush my teeth. Um, So, you know, getting the dignity taken away from me, getting everything else taken from me and then going into a black hole and having to accept all of that to at least come to a level point where I can start to um survive in life so you know i found skiing to be the survivability mm. of of my life because it was a world that it put fear versus fear so the fear of what i had to deal with physically and mentally and then the fear of skiing at mm. a level mm. with world cup athletes um you know one of my first races was a field of 150 people right before the year before Sochi trying to qualify for the national teams at Copper Mountain to go to Sochi. Wow. And, uh, it it was, that was just incredible experience. You know, I look back at that and I go, man, how many people really get a chance to do that in the world that are disabled, you know, and I'm looking at these athletes and the stories of all these athletes and, you know, blown up in the war, has no legs, um, you know, born with certain things. And the blind guys were just amazing from Italy at that time, you know, and uh, even the U.S. team was, was really good in, in that category. And so I really learned to appreciate my disability. And I met some great friends all mm-hmm. over the world who are still really, really good friends, yeah. especially team, especially the Team Chile friends. Um, yeah you were just, just up there
0: the other weekend
1: yeah I, uh, I donated all my world cup race skis to their team
0: oh man and, how cool
1: and I gave the coach uh, a pair of free skis for him to free to ski on that weren't race skis just to have fun on and uh, <laughs> another pair of twin tip skis for whoever needed them there on the team
0: wow how cool is that and so you're still active up so, on the mountain so,
1: Yes, so paying forward to the sport, I'm still paying forward to the sport. My, my goal is to internationally coach a disabled team, Para-Alpine, somehow, some way. And, and just guiding and coaching them at Winter Park, I, I achieved my goal at a certain level. I didn't, I didn't achieve, achieve it at the top international level, but at least I got to ring part of the bell that I wanted to ring and now I'm gonna look for a next mountain to climb, you know? <laughs> and, and that's what it is. It's mountain after mountain climbing and climbing and and finding a passion to get up every day even though you feel like Scheiser, so to speak, you know? Yeah. And it, 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 it's, um, and the visual impairments blow me away. And um, it's, it's really amazing. And some days I just can't even read it's you know and so it's such an oxymoron what i have and what it does
0: do you notice why things change if it's been you're more tired one day or is it stressed or do you notice if there's or is there any rhyme or reason to some of the changes
1: oh fatigue has something to do with it okay you know um and being 65 years old i mean that might have something to do with it (laughs) and but you know it's uh I, I still push myself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. No, I just ask because my vision is very similar. Like if I'm in a. my eyes are exhausted or if I've been doing a lot of intense eye work or if I'm stressed out, my vision's worse. If I'm super tired, my vision's worse. Um, and then, you know, the, when I have noticed losing more with the progressive, you know, disease, I've noticed losing more during stressful times. So it's Mm -hmm. just like stress will kill you. But, um, I think that's the, the interesting thing to kind of note between you and I, um, You know, if you experience a disability as, let's let's say, an amputation, it's that level of acceptance kind of initially, and as you get used to it, you know, you're you're used to your body more, um, I would imagine. You always have those moments of, you know, maybe remembering prior when you, you know, had that limb, etc., but with you and I, these progressive disabilities, um, a lot of people have questions about the progressive side of my vision. And what is that like? And do you ever imagine, you know, I just had my coach today ask me, do you ever imagine the day that you might not be able to see your kids? And I say, yeah, um, you know, mm-hmm. every day. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and it's, it, it's part it, of life. Yeah, it is. And And just knowing that I mean, like when they're doing their activities, like when Kennedy, my daughter, who's eight, is out on the soccer field, I can't tell which one's her necessarily. Or when she's in the swimming pool, thank goodness she's a loud kid because, <laughs> and she talks all the time. So that's the good thing. So I can usually hear her and try to try to focus in on her. Um, but in the swimming pool, you know, a bunch of kids, I can't tell which one's her. Um, and so, yeah, I, I know what that's like. And to try and figure out how to not let it get you down but still acknowledging it that's kind of the hardest part for me it's like this level of acceptance of okay i know i can't see her but i'm here and she knows i'm here she knows i'm trying to see her um and damn it i just wish i could see her you know especially as an athlete myself like i'm being in soccer that was my that was my sport and to you know not be able to see her footwork or her score the goal it's just sometimes devastating and you try to figure out you have to accept that and then you know so it's it's different in that sense of progression and so i i see that with you as well having to kind of constantly accept and deal with instead of just accepting it initially and moving on
1: <laughs> oh yeah and and i have a job you know a couple of weeks ago they nicked. we're gonna pull you over you know go to the back room, please, you know, because they knew I was having a bad day and I I couldn't see very well. My hands weren't working. I was stumbling, yeah. you know, and come down to it. I think they were over, the doctor was over-medicating with me, over-medicating me, but I had to take, you know, with part of what I have, I've had to become my own doctor,
0: yeah.
1: which is very risky, uh, especially with the medications. Yeah, but some of the medications they had me on were I couldn't even function with, um, and and I, I don't want to live life that way, and um, it's it's uh, it's it's tough, you know. My my nephew who lives down the street from me, um, thank God when I when I I couldn't even throw a baseball or bounce a basketball or throw a basketball, so. It wasn't for the little kids and coming over and saying, Uncle Boo Boo, do you want to go play? Uncle Boo Boo, come <laughs> on, you can come out and play. Oh, Uncle Boo Boo, you're having a bad day, aren't you? And it's like, yeah, you know, but I, they knew I would try to get up and go with them when they came over and they would come over every day at the same time. Uh, and then they quit coming over because I couldn't do anything. And that was really hard.
0: Yeah, so, yeah. But it's that finding that purpose. I think that's the biggest thing that you're, you're talking about, whether it's skiing or your, your nephews or the neighborhood kids or whoever it is. It's so important. I think for people, especially in isolation, especially in disability, you've got to find that purpose. You can't just sit in the house and let it eat you up. And I think so many people do, and they don't have the opportunity. They don't have the, the access to whatever that next thing is but it's so important to find it
1: oh it is it's totally important to find it because otherwise you're in the black hole yeah and being in a black hole is like being a riptide you don't know (sighs) when to breathe you're breathing at the wrong time you don't you know you don't know what's going on you're it it, it's just is not fun and
0: it's that spinning out it's that oh that you can't get like the is a good example. You just can't get out until you realize what direction to swim, you know.
1: Right. Right. You gotta is. go exactly sideways. It. It's
0: counterintuitive. You you can't right. go straight at it, or you're just gonna wear yourself out. And it's oh, it just it swallows you alive. It's it really does. And yeah. and that's the other thing to to really recognize and notice that there are days like that. And yeah. that's okay. But we also have to find out how to get out of it. And that's that balance. I think that a lot of people, especially now as we become more aware of mental health and um, emotions and compassion for ourselves, it's like, I can feel this way. And absolutely you can. And it's good to recognize that you feel this way. And it's good to be in it for a minute, but how do you get out of that? And how do you move forward? And that's where I think people have the hardest time. It's like, just go outside and- breathe the fresh air that's your first step (laughs) and then the next step is go outside and go for a stroll go for get out and see the world and then come back and then you know it's just these baby steps to get out of that black hole
1: yep and see now this the COVID thing the real the the normal world is now finding out that what our savior is can be their savior me uh-huh. at the ski shop. I, I can't believe how many people are coming in and just buying equipment and buying equipment and buying equipment and buying equipment and, buying equipment, and they've never done anything. Oh, you know, they've really? never gone skiing before and they're from way back down down here or way back here up north. And you know, they want to go backcountry skiing and learn how to go backcountry skiing and um it's like you can't really just go backcountry skiing. That's something <laughs> the man the, the mountain is always the winner no matter what <laughs> you might tame the mountain and you might think you beat the mountain but the mountain will always beat you
0: is there an increase is not quite on top is there an increase of um, cases of rescues and whatnot up there on the mountains because people are doing stuff they don't know what they're doing
1: yes but it's also so unsafe that a lot of people aren't going up to
0: oh that's good that's good Whew. okay let's see one more question here if you had a magic wand right now and you could change either something in your life or the world or whatever it is what would you do with that magic wand oh my god <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh um i would change my health i would just go for good health great health because if you have good health, you have a good life. Mm. And and good and, and and when you have a disability, it as much as we don't like it to take away from what we could or should do sometimes, it does.
0: Yeah.
1: And and trying to beat that mentally is real tough some days. Mm -hmm. Um, but you know, I, I think if I had a magic wand just to change my health and, um, and, uh, and maybe, maybe, but then I, I, if I changed my health, see, then I wouldn't have been able to pair Alpine race.
0: Yeah. So,
1: um, I, I have acquired, so I I really can't say that statement because, um, Fair alpine racing really blessed me with a lot of things in life, and at at 60 years old, I just can't believe it. You know, competing with 20 and 30 year olds and
0: yeah, that's incredible.
1: And, and glass globe winners, and and then their coaches. After I retired from racing, and um, saw the New Zealand coach bend down at the bottom of the hill, and my old coach, and told him that I was now a coach and coaching at a different mountain, and He's going. Well, you're a Jedi Knight. Bring out your bring out your sword, and you know, have this, let's have a sword fight. Oh, you got me! Oh, you're the best in the world. And and for him for him to say that means a lot because one day at a race when I was using my outriggers and um, at Aspen, the Canadian coach said something to him, and he said something to me about how I was technically using my outriggers really well and. Um, and so the respect internationally is is pretty amazing you know Mm -hmm. i I, i'm still humbled and overwhelmed with that um next week next week i get to go see my uh, all my friends who are going to be racing u.s nationals and at the beginning of the year i was going to do the race myself and call it quits and just so i could have a, a finality of it yeah but um, I uh, know, it's not my place anymore, you know, after being out of it for a couple of years. And so I, I think just by giving my skis away, that gives it a good finality because then they're going to pay, I'm paying forward to the sport and, um, they're going to go to some athletes in Chile who maybe can't afford their skis and need skis to race. And, um, or a couple of the current athletes are going to split up some of the, the skis and, And use them to race, and if they take them to Beijing, then part of me is in Beijing at the 2022 Olympics. And absolutely, in my heart, I couldn't be happier for that.
0: I love it, and I, you know, I really resonate with the sentiment of you could you can't say you would change your health because uh, you wouldn't have experienced all the Paralympic skiing you did, and the opportunities you have now to still be giving back, and you know that's as hard as being legally blind is, as hard as my injury was in 2009, I know that that is why I was put on this planet. And Mm -hmm. without those two situations, without those two disabilities, Rapid would not be existing. Um, And so it's, you know, I was listening to, this was years ago when I was, you know, getting back on the wagon of, of developing Rapid. Um, I, said, I heard something that said, turn your weakness or what you perceive as your weakness into your asset. Yep. And I said, oh, that's it. I mean, I was put on this planet to develop rapid, to build the rapid facility that will help people transition from able-bodied to disabled and actually experience a full life and not have these gaps of years and years in between that so many of us have between injury or diagnosis to being back and being active and being healthy and and doing the things we want to do even in our new bodies and and so that's it's just yeah you can't say I would change it (laughs) it was awful and some days are really hard (laughs) but I wouldn't change it for anything because I know that's why I'm here
1: yeah and um, one of my good friends said that to me quite a few years ago you know when he saw my disintegration
0: yeah
1: and he says he, he says, i can't believe you're doing what you're doing number one he says but you're here so you can help guide other people through through the path that they're on and and, yeah. and when i the day after i stepped out of the doctor's office in stanford you know and and being treated the way that i was treated by a lot of doctors and and then by that doctor saying no what you have nick is real you know it's it's not in your head she goes, it's 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 in the wiring of the brain, and how the brain works with your body, so it is not in your head.
0: Yeah. And
1: I said, this is so hard to deal with, and, and she says, oh, I understand that. And there are very few there at that time. There are very few neuropsychologists who helped anybody, and I would have had to go to California to see anybody. Mm-hmm. So that's that's why I kept ski racing and and yeah. use that as my um, psychotherapy, so to speak, and cognitive brain therapy at the same time, mm-hmm. because what I could do on skis, I couldn't, I couldn't walk very well, but I could ski because I had a platform where I was just redefying gravity in a certain way.
0: Yeah, it's incredible.
1: And that's what you have to do with a disability: you have to turn it around and you have to redefine it. I mean, you you have to you you have to you have to embrace it, right? You have to accept it. You have to; um, otherwise, you're just going to be a bump on the log and beating yourself up, and and it, it's not that's not good.
0: And I know you don't know Rapid this well, but that's what our tagline is: is accept, embrace, and thrive. <laughs> I know you didn't look that up, but that it, no, and I that's didn't
1: ex- look that up. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's exactly what it is: is accepting it and being like, all right, this is where I'm at, embracing it, saying this is me. And then where can you take it from there and thrive with it? And yep. yeah, So I love it. I love it. Totally un unscripted. I I promise everyone. So <laughs> well, good. Well, is there any way we can help out help you out? Is there where people can find you? Anything you're doing out there that you want people to know about?
1: Well, the, if if you want to see the past, I've do, we've documented. A lot of people have documented. Um, the past events that I've had to gone through in different stages uh, and it, they're on YouTube. Okay.
0: So
1: the first one was the Road to Russia 2014. And that's on YouTube and okay. look up Nick Manley, M-A-N-E-L-Y. The second one was called the Hidden World of FND. Um, mm-hmm. That w- went to the Neuroscience Festival in 2015 um, to explain, to show doctors you know, what people with FND can do and how people with FND handle their lives. That's um, about, and then um, the other one would be benefits of sports, which was my second Denver University presentation. Mm. Um, so, and that presentation was was um, very well accepted. Um I had people crying in all the interviews and, 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 all these classes too that I did. It was, it got to people's hearts because they couldn't imagine themselves going through that. And what my goal was when I did my presentations and do my presentations is to make sure to have the people, I try to put them in my shoes exactly. and have them have their emotions be feeling the same thing I do. Um, when I'm going through the presentation and Um, it's if we can do that as like you're doing you know with rapid Mm -hmm. uh, throughout the world then the world's going to change for us in big ways because if we can do it individually with what we have just imagine what people who have more can do with what they have
0: absolutely and that's the that's the that's the, the, the experience and the the stories we need to share. And so, yeah, uh, listeners, we will, I'll put all the those links to uh, Nick's videos in the show notes. But, you know, so many of us have experienced this transition, but so many people don't understand how it feels. And then so many people don't realize it can be them at any minute. And, you know, we're the only minority community you can join at any time. That's it. <laughs> And so yeah. understanding and, and making sure the resources are out there is, is so important.
1: Yeah, in my case, I woke up and I couldn't move one day and it's like, what the heck is going on?
0: Yeah,
1: <laughs> yeah. You know, <laughs> I noticed little changes, you know, from day to day at work, my arms wouldn't work right. And, you know, and I was stumbling a little bit on my left side or I'd collapsed here and there. But then all of a sudden I couldn't get out. I couldn't move. I couldn't get out of bed. I was crawling, you know, yeah. and that was the second. I've been paralyzed twice in my life. The first time was at 31, 32, when I had back surgery and oh, the wow. doctor, the doctor goes, what do you want me to do when I fix you? And I said, well, I want to go back to skiing and golfing and, and I want to ride my bike. Cause I was a category. I was a, a bicyclist at that time. And I wanted to do, um, Olympic cycling. Oh, wow. I figured that was my way to get it. And then I started competing against all these guys. I'm going, man, there's no way I'm going to kick their ass. (laughs) (laughs) And then my legs went numb. Then My legs go numb and I can't feel my legs. And it's like, oh, no. And I go to the doctor and he goes, oh, you got back problems.
0: Wow. So... Well, thank you so much, Nick. And listeners, we will definitely um, put some links into the show notes and check out those links and uh, follow Nick's journey. It is amazing. Um, Thank you so much, Nick, for joining us here today. And I look forward to talking to you more in the future.
1: You're welcome. I am on Facebook and Twitter, if if anybody wants to look me up there too. And and Emily, thank you for, for everything that you do. And and I, I love your logo with, you know, the wave and, and the person underneath it. And that just makes me think of <clears throat> a few days that I used to body surf and
0: a couple of days
1: <laughs> up in New, in Newport beach where I got caught in a riptide because I didn't know what the red flag meant on the beach. Oh, so no. I figured, Oh, there's no surfers out there. The waves look really great. Oh, I, I ended up almost in Huntington beach that day. Um, <laughs> And I almost died there. Then another day in Cabo San Lucas, the waves were so big. They were 20 foot waves in the hole. And I was body surfing those and I couldn't even get in. They were so much fun. <laughs> oh
0: my gosh. Yeah. That, I mean, was,
1: that was one of the best body surfing days I ever had.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, the, the rapid, a lot of people think rapid is for as fast, especially now with COVID rapid testing. But um, it's all about rapid being the, you know, if you think about the rapids of a river, you you think about a river and you see rocks as obstacles, you're going around those, sometimes the water's smooth and easy and, and comfortable, and sometimes the water's rushing and thrown at you so fast, throwing you every which way, and you know disabilities like that one day you're okay and everything's great and there's other yeah. days where you just don't know how you're gonna get through it and so rapid obviously it stands for rehabilitation and athletic performance intersecting disability so it happened to be a really good acronym as well <laughs> so
1: yes it is and thank you so much for being out there to do this
0: again. of course of course we will be in touch we need to stay in touch and uh make this all happen so changing the world one day at a time yep all right can't
1: wait to come out to oregon
0: <laughs> yes you need Take to care. you need to all right thank you so much for joining me here today at human is my label don't forget to subscribe share this with your friends families and co-workers get out there get comfortable with the uncomfortable include everyone and push yourself to be better every day. If you're interested in coaching or corporate training or learning more about Rapid, visit us at rapidoregon.org. That's R-A-P-I-D-O-R-E-G-O-N.org. You can find me at emily.purry on Instagram and all my other social handles are below. Have a great day, and I can't wait to see you next week.